stargazers, welcome to 7th House Astrology, where I take any topic that is either astrological, related to relationships and romance, or a little bit of both worlds. I investigate under the lens of Sinistry Astrology, otherwise known as Love or Relationship Astrology. I am your host, Sandra Misek, and I'm so glad that you guys have joined me for today. So, stargazers, I could not believe what happened at the beginning of this week, and you're probably not going to believe it either. So I'm going to prelude my little like what detailing as to what happened with, uh, thank goodness I'm not an actual astrologer astrologer, or this would really have been a failure on my part. And actually, I do consider this to be a failure, but... Um, I just found out this last week that Mercury was retrograde. It's been retrograde since April the 21st. And yours truly, being the astrology nerd, didn't really equate two and two together. So um, that is a failing on my part. I kind of laugh a little bit. Um, I've, I've kind of made the joke that maybe I actually worked with the transit for a change because normally with Mercury retrograde, I notice it pretty well, uh, especially since my Mercury placement is in Virgo and that's actually Mercury's natural place and natural sign. So I, I tend to notice Mercury retrograde pretty well and this time and this point around didn't really notice except for the last week. Well, um, so good news is that as of today, um, by the way, I should say, as of today, Mother's Day, it is, it is now in shadow, so it's no longer in retrograde. So if you guys have been following the uh, Mercury retrograde cycle, this shadow is like the perfect time to actually just kind of take a look, take stock, what have you learned during this period? Uh, especially with Mercury retrograde being in Taurus. One thing I could kind of tell you is that being in Taurus, for me personally, it kind of felt a little milder. I think within about the second week I could tell it's like, oh, that's what was going on. Especially when I had, um, you know, verbal, somebody come onto my property, there was a verbal altercation, you know, things were going on at work to where communication wasn't very high. I, I didn't link two and two together. I thought we just had Venus retrograde this year. So um, that was my oversight, so to speak, my um, lack of oversight, I should say, um, on on my part. But I'd say, you know, um, on the whole, though, if I didn't really recognize it too much, you know, that, you know, if that second week was just that little blip on the radar, I kind of find that's a good batting average. So it, I think it's kind of fair to say that to have Mercury retrograde in Taurus, it's kind of like having Venus retrograde in Capricorn. Um, I think with the, the Earth signs, it's pretty mellow. Um, I think with exception to, to Virgo, of course, but I kind of find it's it's kind of just a, a mellower vibe all the way around, you know, more of a grounded vibe. You know, I think everyone tend, tended to, within this last retrograde cycle, to just kind of get a little more grounded and not like too looped out in the head as uh, usually what happens during uh, Mercury retrograde. So 
So Stargazers, I have to say profoundly, I am so sorry for my blip on my radar. Um, I will be fixing that um, in the future by continually. And I think this was the other thing that was kind of weird about it. I normally get like notifications on my phone when it comes to Mercury retrograde and um, I didn't get such notifications uh, with it coming up. So I think I will be checking out Astro pretty frequently and a lot of astrology um, sort of websites pretty frequently. Astrology King was another one. Actually, it was Astrology King that I found out that um, not only the lunar eclipse, but also Mercury retrograde. So I think it's official. I've been under a rock, but no, um, that will be no longer. So once again, I'm um, very sorry, Stargazers, but um, if you guys have personal stories during this Mercury retrograde period, so as between, you know, April the 21st and now, um, definitely feel free to contact me on my Instagram page or at Sandra at gmail.com. I'd be happy to hear like some of your stories if you found that this was a mild retrograde season or a mild retrograde period, if you found that actually was kind of adversive and you guys really, really, really noticed it, or, you know, if you guys have some different, you know, sort of viewpoints on this one, I, I, I love to hear different viewpoints. Um, and I love to compare, I love to compare my personal notes with um, those of others. So definitely, definitely share with me. But since this was a retrograde period that I unfortunately kind of missed out on, I think that's for the better, to be honest with you. Sometimes, you know, as I was continually mentioning this to other people, um, especially with other coworkers, um, I, I just, I, I think I kept mentioning that ignorance is bliss. And I think this, this last transit was definitely exactly that case. Sometimes I, I feel like, you know, we kind of get a little too wrapped up with the retrograde cycle. Um, sometimes it, we kind of miss the actual lessons that are imparted. And I felt like I actually learned a number of good lessons by just not knowing much about it. But um, I would love to come to the middle knowing a little bit about it and, you know, imparting lessons. But since we did go through a retrograde period, I thought it was only befitting to actually cover another retrograde planet, uh, another retrograde planet that actually does happen uh, usually within the same times. Um, there, different retrograde cycles are a bit different, uh, but yet it's another generational planet, and that is Neptune retrograde. So we'll be covering this. This will be the episode where we'll be covering Neptune retrograde, what happens during that time. Um, as I've noted with Saturn, so it's like, I think it was actually Jupiter, Saturn, and Uranus. Um, so this will be throughout like Neptune and Pluto. Uh, because they're generational planets, we don't really notice its effects too much when they do go retrograde, which is actually quite good because a lot of these planets go retrograde for like four to seven or four to even eight months even. Uh, Neptune personally goes into retrograde for about six months. So um, I don't know about you, but Mars retrograde, having like Mars retrograde, its effects last for three months, three whole miserable months at that. That was quite enough for me. 
uh, personally, can you just imagine like Mercury or Venus retrograde or Mars retrograde, but for six months, like for half a year, I, I don't know how I would deal. I, I really, I really don't know how I would deal. I would probably go out of my mind to be quite frank with you. I would definitely learn some valuable lessons, but I would, I would go out of my mind. I'd go batty. <laughs> so I think it's great that, you know, with the generational planets that we don't really notice um, their effects too much, but they still have some considerable influence. You know, like with Saturn, you know, we're revamping structures. We feel that the need to revamp structures all of a sudden. With Uranus, we have sudden changes occurring outside of us to cause certain, to cause actually revolutionary changes inside of us that actually bring profound lessons, profound changes that can radically alter our lives. And with Neptune retrograde, um, Astrology King had mentioned that we usually feel its influence about 60, not even 60%, he said like 40% of the time. Personally, I kind of beg to differ when it comes to Neptune retrograde. Neptune, I feel, is one of those generational planets. I feel we do notice its effect a little bit more than with the other um, generational planets. I feel that is the reason, or I feel like the reason for why is that it deals with the psyche. Everything about Neptune deals with the psyche. You know, it's uh, all about um, definitely we've mentioned um, not only just illusions, but also idealisms, you know, idealizing, putting people on a pedestal, maybe doing so a little too early in the relationship. And the drawbacks of that, um, part of the drawbacks being, you know, the delusions, not really knowing what's right from wrong, not really, you know, it's kind of like different boundaries get very much blurred. You know, what's reality as opposed to what's a show kind of becomes an issue in sinistry. And, you know, definitely it, it's, it's a lot of these factors. I mean, also going into psychism, hypnotism, going into, you know, use of psychotropic drugs, um, you know, normally in the time in which, um, Neptune was very high. It was usually high spirituality, but also turning to psychotropic drugs and also abusing them and having those effects, those counter effects. I mean, um, it's definitely a planet that also affects our psyches as well. So with Neptune being the planet that affects our psyches, I do feel that with retrograde, we probably feel it a little bit more like 45 to 50% of the time um, is what I would say. So it's a little more of a profound sort of retrograde you know, even though it's within within the generational planets, um, definitely more of a profound retrograde cycle in my view. And uh, you know, we we tend to we we tend to feel it. Um, it might not be as strong as, like, say, with Mercury retrograde, but uh, it, it's definitely definitely in the background, definitely a continual hum in the background for sure. So, what goes on during Neptune retrograde? Well. Some of my thoughts that I came up to, I was just like, you know, maybe like dreams and ideals kind of get chucked inward because we, we definitely deal with that with Neptune. And then the other thing that I kind of thought of was, you know, Neptune is also considered to be high Venus 
in some astrologer circles. I mean, old astrologers, old school astrologers used to say it's high Venus because it elicits a lot of compassion. It elicits a lot of creativity. So I was kind of thinking, would, you know, with retrograde, would creativity be stunted? Because creativity is definitely thriving during, um, you know, Neptune direct and, you know, thriving in the regard of continual muses and continual things that inspire us. So would that be kind of on the decline? And then furthermore, I just kind of wondered maybe is compassion kind of more in us since uh, retrograde cycles cause us to re retreat within and kind of deal with those things that are within us? Do, would that be you know, like would creativity or would compassion get more of a boost um, in that regard? So according to Rachel Stewart Haas, actually, um, with Neptune retrograde, to have a lush fantasy life is actually very common. So maybe having that fantasy life be chucked inward was correct. Um, it seems like we get a really colorful fantasy life. I'm going to speak because I just looked at my uh, chart this last week and I had noticed because Venus was retrograde during the time of my birth, uh, Neptune was actually retrograde in my chart along with Uranus. And uh, kind of in the order of things too, you know, it's usually like Saturn or Uranus that's the first to go retrograde before a major event like Mercury, you know, so before a Mercury retrograde, either like Saturn or Uranus tends to go retrograde. And then shortly after, I think Neptune and Pluto, and this, and this is just kind of like what I've noticed, usually when it comes to Neptune and Pluto, Pluto goes retrograde first. So it's usually like Saturn's first or Uranus is first, and then Pluto's kind of second. And then, then comes Neptune, which is third. But sometimes it depends upon the different retrograde cycle. Like this last cycle with Mercury retrograde, uh, Uranus went retrograde for sure. And actually, um, actually, I'm sorry, Uranus did not go retrograde. That's a mistake. I'm going to correct that right now. It was actually Pluto that went retrograde. So just Pluto retrograde and then Mercury retrograde. So we have those sort of factors involved. Sometimes it's, all the generational planets that go retrograde, especially like with Mars retrograde. I know Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, but in the order that it was, I think it was like first Saturn, and then there was Uranus, then there was Pluto, and then there was there was Neptune. So it's it's interesting how there's a different order um, of where what which planets tend to go retrograde first um, when it comes to the retrograde cycles, but. You know, with Neptune, it's usually like the third or fourth, like kind of like the last planet to go retrograde um, before any sort of major retrograde cycle. But anyway, I am a native of uh, Neptune retrograde. I have that in my chart. And honestly, I do have to say when we're talking about fantasy life during Neptune retrograde, we're talking about like major Hollywood movie going on inside your mind, going on inside your soul. It's in, you know, this, this inspiration, this idea, it's really enlivening you inside and out. So, I mean, that's a good benefit. Uh, one thing that I usually recommend during this period and I mean, the, the creativity or the, the inspiration, the muses could be anything, 
you know, for me, it's usually along the lines of screenplay writing and also along the lines of my podcast. But for others, it could be along the lines of business. It could be along the lines of, you know, planning. It could be along the lines of just different avenues. Um, everybody takes a different avenue. Some people could be visual artists as well, too, and they could have an, an inspiration of what to paint or what to draw or they or, or you know, a musician could have an inspiration of a song to write. Um, th these are definitely great things to have happening. Um, if, it actually, in all in all, one thing that I do recommend is that keep a, so songwriters usually uh, carry something with them called a songbook. Um, and that's usually a pad of paper it could be a composition notebook. It could just be anything really from like a pad of paper, composition notebook, um, an actual journal. But the whole idea of the songbook is to record anything that becomes an inspiration. You know, for songwriters, it could be anything such as they heard a snippet of somebody's conversation and those words in particular inspire the, the actual title for their song and the lyrics that come from that particular phrase. Um, others might find a particular quote from a book and then, you know, write lyrics from that. Others may just find inspiration in the everyday and write that down. Of course, it's usually whenever um, you write something down, it's usually the title of the song. Although, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if also could be the lyrics of the song, but normally it's like the title of the song and then the lyrics kind of come after. But um, in all in all, with the songbook, what's striking to me is that it's an actual, it's like an inspiration book or a thought book. And I think that that's a good idea for everybody to keep um, just to have an inspiration or thought book um, to kind of really detail this Hollywood sort of film that's playing on inside yourself or of, of the inspiration and the creativity that you're being surrounded around in your life at this particular time. It, you know, it also saves those, those moments. And I've had plenty of these moments, especially in my twenties where it's like, I hold off from writing anything. I have this great inspiration in my head. I hold off from writing anything. And then when I finally sit down, and try to piece it all together, especially for a story or for an idea for my podcast, the muse has lifted away. The muse has, has gone away for the, for the time being. And that's where, um, you know, I just, I feel that this inspiration book can be really helpful. Um, even if you like come back to it way later and come back to the idea way later, um, it's definitely, um, something that is really invaluable. I mean, you can kind of take a look at it later and remember what exactly it was that inspired you and kind of either move forward or maybe just even see like how maybe like how aloof or how very caught up in the mists you were during um, Neptune retrograde, because that can also happen as well, especially when we're considering muses. According to Rachel Stewart Haas, um, the other incident that also tends to happen is that our spiritual lives get a lot of a big boost at this time. You know, again, Neptune being a very spiritual planet, those who have a very prominent Neptune are so spiritual, in fact, that sometimes they have 
one foot up in the heavens, another foot up on earth. They kind of feel like they're dividing their time between the two realms. And uh, it's really, like I said, again, um, with spirituality, it really becomes very heightened at this time. Now, I mean, you can have spirituality occur even if you're a Christian um, or even if you don't have spirituality. This is a great time to actually explore those areas. And I mean, it doesn't even have to be in the metaphysical realm. Sometimes it could just be what really speaks to you when it comes to this realm called life, you know, how we, what we make of it and, you know, how to live the best of it. And then also the realm called the afterlife, you know, what we can make of that and, you know, how the afterlife can inform us a bit more as to how to live more fully in this life as well, too. And uh, really just kind of making those decisions. Also, to to not be, uh, be surprised, too, if you also kind of shift spiritual dimensions or kind of shift spirituality or spiritual disciplines at this time. Because maybe something might be calling to you a lot more um, than what you're previously or what you're believing in right now. Um, I think I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of uh, religious shifts as well as spiritual shifts and paradigm shifts um, occur at this time as well. Um, one thing that I think Rachel Stewart Haas had mentioned that astrology king backs up is that this is also a time where, uh, so between fact and fiction, any sort of boundaries are definitely blurred. I think the bound, the lack of boundaries is definitely heightened in ourselves that much more to where, um, you know, we kind of become either delusional or we just tend to, you know, kind of go down a path of a fantastical sort of reasoning that when it's questioned, we get paranoid easily. Paranoia delusions are also very common at this time. Actually, Astro King um, elaborates a little bit on this further that Actually, our purpose in this time is to actually confront those delusions. You know, things that are making you paranoid at this time are usually based off of a delusion that you've been kind of believing in. And really with Neptune retrograde, it's really asking you to really dig in deep and really kind of um, consider why you're believing, not, not only why are you believing in this delusion, but also how to dissipate it. And I think one of the biggest things of how to dissipate it is um, really kind of seeing what exactly, why exactly are you turning to like, say, a conspiracy theory? Why exactly are you, are you turning to particular belief when it comes to life? Why exactly are you believing that everybody's out to get you? Um, this also goes to be, this also is a time, and I think the delusions kind of um, bring about also escapism. And Rachel Sturthaus had mentioned that, you know, very heavy, heavy amounts of escapism. Um, again, being a Neptune retrograde native, uh, I do have to say that one period of time that kind of stood out for me when it comes to escapism. So um, to kind of get the level of escapism that's kind of going on at this at this time, 
it's not a usual sort of escape where it's like, oh, gee, I had a bad day. Oh, gee, I had a stressful day. Have a glass of wine. We're good. Okay. Um, one thing that kind of I accounted for um, after my grandmother, uh, my maternal grandmother had passed away way back in the, the ripe, nice age of 23, um, I remembered I was just, I could not deal with the grief process that that well I did not deal with it that well no I didn't know much about how to deal with dying and how to deal with death and especially death of somebody who is near and dear to your heart as my maternal grandmother was um, I mean she was the first person to say that I was smart when I really craved to hear those words from her um, being a child growing up with a learning disability uh, she actually, and I just felt like she actually understood me. We were kind of like two halves of a whole um, in a way. And I really, I, I did not take to her death very well. And I remembered one thing that I did when it came to escape was, you know, it was the first time ever in my life where I turned to literature just to literally forget about the world around me that was occurring around me to forget about the loneliness that I was experiencing at that time to not even to kind of tune out everyone else's happiness because it made me embittered um, that everyone else was happy. Whereas I was not. And I think it was also the first time where I actually um, remembered I went for bike rides through the park and it would be like about 6 p.m. It was in summertime. So 6 p.m., it was still light outside. But I remembered I would take laps around the park repeatedly until about like 10 p.m. at night, then go home. Mainly, again, just to kind of find, you know, like to kind of ride out a particular fantasy and just kind of escape from there. And again, really just something to kind of just blur out reality completely. And that's about the level of escapism I would say is really prevalent with Neptune retrograde. It's not just have a glass of wine, we're good. Hey, you know, kind of binge watch on Netflix every now and then, and then we're okay. Everything in our life seems to be okay. It, it's like, it's a never ending quest of needing to exit out of this life and needing to escape out of this life. And, um, again, I feel this kind of goes hand in hand with the delusions in the regard that, you know, the more that you can turn inward at this time and the more that you can see why exactly are you escaping and also why exactly are you believing in certain things as you do now, something other than gee, uh, Neptune retrogrades making me do it. Um, it, it, it's something again, that's very deep and that's very personal. Like for my sake, it was, I, I was not having a great time. I, I really was having a huge struggle with dealing with the five stages of grief after my grandmother's death. I mean, I, I remembered, I felt sad. I felt kind of angered, um, and embittered. However, um, you know, in dealing with the denial stage, I didn't know how to navigate that rather well. I mean, sadness, it's like you get a good cry, you're good. Anger, you kind of get it out, you're good. Um, denial was something that was definitely, I didn't know how to navigate that at all. 
I think there was acceptance. I could, you know, as much as I really wanted to accept what happened and really just try to move on. Um, I did not know that it, it takes time to actually come to that level. It's not just instant happiness and instant. I, I remember I would toxic positivity myself out to try to come to acceptance far sooner than what was originally planned in my life or just, you know, come to, you know, come to that acceptance far sooner. Um, and I, like I said, I just had to really wait a lot of stages out and really just really kind of, you know, feel those stages. But I felt the more that I could feel those stages. And I think it was about, you know, my grandmother had passed on in May when I finally came to the realization that um, I was struggling in all areas of my life because my grandmother died, that was about like September to October of that year. And uh, when I, you know, I, like I said, it, it was, it was time, it, it took some time to kind of realize that. But once I finally realized that, and when I fully um, kind of came to the recognition of that, the escape became far less and the delusions that I was kind of surrounding myself around became far less as well too. But what I would say during this time, the more that you can be upfront and the more that you can be truthful about what's going on inside of you, the more that the escapism, or the, I would say the, the more that you get on top of the escapism and also the less that you're, you're more um, prone to, you know, diving into it. And also the less that you're likely to become victim to delusions and paranoia. Now, uh, last that uh, Neptune was retrograde was June of last year. And I actually had some personal experiences when it came to the delusions and paranoia. There were a lot of people at that time. This was like close to the time of Roe v. Wade being overturned. I remember there were a lot of guys, especially at that time. I, I remember it was beginning of cancer season. Uh, they just felt like they were under the delusion that they suddenly had power, even though there are a lot of women who are rebelling against this decision being made and really calling for action to reverse that decision. But there were a lot of guys who felt like this delusion of grandeur, and they felt like they could easily call women bitches without any regard to the fact that that's a toxic masculine word. And um, especially when you say, fuck you, bitch, that is a toxic masculine phrase. It is a misogynistic phrase. It's a diminutive phrase to put that person, to put the lady down a number of pegs. And I just, I remember I found that to be relatively disturbing. And the fact that there, it was from a lot of guys who were not very strong and didn't have a great foundation to begin with. They were like kind of believing this delusion. And when I actually went so far as to question their delusion, I remember they, they would like literally run away from me. They'd get that paranoid or they'd get not only paranoid and defensive, but also like start running away from me. Another example also came in my line of work at that time. I was working in a sales position, front desk position, where my life was actually being threatened half the time. The reason for why is because a lot of the ladies who are associating with me were growing paranoid 
And it's because they had this delusion that everyone was against them, you know, for whatever reason that was kind of causing this delusion. I had my suspicions that for many, it was due to marriage issues. But uh, this is a great time to really question, like if you're getting into this delusional, and I mean, um, there's even a number of people, like I remember at this particular time, there were a number of people who also believed conspiracy theories. And again, this is a big time for conspiracy theories as well. Again, the more that you can question why you're gravitating towards this, like for this young man who felt like he was so omnipotent and powerful, why, what in your life is causing you to latch onto this other than the overturn of Roe v. Wade? Could it, could it be that, you know, you're having a nasty breakup with your girlfriend and therefore you're feeling omniscient and all powerful, or you're having some issues with other women in your life that, that can even include your mom. Um, I mean, the more that you can confront what is really nasty, the more I feel that delusion can be questioned a bit better. And the more that you can resolve the paranoia that you're facing and all the other nasty stuff that comes with delusional thinking. I also felt that that was the case with a lot of the ladies who were getting really paranoid with me, um, so enough to get administer death threats. I mean, um, it's like if you could question what else is going on in your life to cause that paranoia, um, again, that paranoia minimizes as well, too. And I just remember there are a lot of people who are like, you're not stating the truth or you're not believing the whole facts. And definitely, um, definitely look inward at this time. Don't don't go down that rabbit hole. Um, because like I said, paranoia, all that it does is make you lose grip and lose touch with reality that much more. That's where you're starting to get lost into the fog and the mists of Avalon, or you're getting lost in the fogs in the forest, or you're drowning in that deep, deep sea that you're, that you're swimming in. And you're not really seeing the surface that you need to see. So um, definitely, um, like I said, try to gain insight and try not to get too lost. And, and too lost, it's the mists, um, if you may, that Neptune tends to produce. Other things that Astrology King had added as well. Um, so again, turning to intuition to make dreams reality. Um, that can actually also happen during, you know, during Neptune retrograde. This is actually the optimal time. Uh, Neptune being that of the planet of intuition and psychism, uh, definitely, you know, or psychism, um, definitely, uh, use your intuition and your intuition. Again, if you don't feel like you're particularly psychic or you don't really believe in those terms, Intuition can also just be gut hunches and gut hunch theories. Turning to these guys when you have a matter that needs to be resolved, maybe that matter is what's causing you to turn to delusional thinking or escapism thinking. You know, don't be afraid to use your intuition as to see what is right or to see what is going on, to see exactly what is behind that curtain um, when it comes to you know, maybe deceit or lies that are being told to you 
Um, and, you know, especially if it's, if it's in pertaining to marriages or relationships, you know, don't be afraid to use the intuition. If you feel like your partner's cheating on you or if, at this time, or you feel like your partner's being devious for some reason or another at this time, definitely look into it or definitely use that intuition to dive in and find these things out as well. Um, it's, it's definitely an optimal time to do that as well. And then the last point that Astrology King had made um, kind of segues nicely into synastry for us. But uh, one thing that he mentions is that uh, relationships can open up old wounds from past relationships. So um, anything that might have been re that really had rocked your world, any sort of breakups that might have rocked your world, are definitely resurfacing with relationships at this time. That's probably why paranoia also tends to exist at this time as well. Those old wounds could be opening up. And for some, it might be, you know, kind of like with my 23-year-old self, I didn't know how to process grief. And I mean, I remembered I had moments where a lot of my childhood um, sort of wounds popped up out of nowhere. However, it was an optimal time being within already, um, to really kind of rediscover those wounds and what the meaning of those wounds uncovered for me. A lot of it came down to identity and a lot of it came down to, I can't be somebody else. I, I'd always thought that I needed to be Claire Danes growing up in order to find acceptance, in order to be perfect, and in order to be accepted amongst my mother, especially. And it was at this time, uh, especially with the, the grief of my grandmother, you know, especially even with the escapism and everything that I had to come to terms that I'm not that person, and I'm not going to be that person. There are many other things I had to uncover, but um, really relationships all the way around, all relationships can open up old wounds from, you know, either childhood or just from bad breakups or um, what have you. So what do relationships look like when it comes to Neptune retrograde? So for me, I just feel that relationships take a huge strain at this time. I know I'm kind of sounding like last week's episode with the, um, the Saturn return where I'm kind of being like a Debbie Downer, but unfortunately because martyrdom is also a huge key component to Neptune retrograde. It, I remembered last year, especially when Neptune went retrograde, it seemed like everybody wanted for me to be the martyr when I wasn't the one who had the problem. You know, the, the ladies who are giving me death threats, they wanted me to take on self-martyrdom in their situations. They wanted me to apologize for the fact that they lost their cool with me and in front of me. You know, in some cases where some had purple splotchy faces because they were screaming and getting so agitated and so paranoid when really I was just trying to fix an issue and trying to fix a problem and consulting with my manager of how to do that as well too. But, um, you know, kind of considering martyrdom, it seemed like 
My manager at that time was very delusional as to his customers. He thought all of his customers were golden. All of his customers were very good people. Maybe I was the bad person. So there was a bit of gaslighting that had occurred at that time. Um, along with that, a lot of self-martyrdom of, well, gee, maybe you might need to apologize to these ladies who are giving you death threats. I mean, that's literally a takeaway. And literally one thing my manager had to, had to say to me at that time when I mentioned what was going on. Um, to say the least, let's just say I not only searched for another job, but that relationship was not very, let's just say I was not very trusting of that particular manager, of said manager at that time. Um, I'm not surprised to see this throughout many relationships, whether it be friendships or whether it be in uh, marriages where it's just like everyone expects you to take a martyrdom role or everyone expects you to sacrifice your comfort and sacrifice everything you believe in because this person's believing in a delusion or because that person is paranoid. And it's like the only way to, you know, a lot of people feel like the only way to get rid of the paranoia is, is if you, if you take the blame. And I find that that's very toxic. It's a toxic relationship. Um, I, what I usually recommend at this time is don't take the bait. Um, if anything, uh, you know, if you can help out in any way, shape or form, if you feel like um, your significant other is down the rabbit hole of delusions, if you feel like anyone is down the rabbit hole delusions, finding ways to point it out, finding like realistic ways to point it out and finding realistic ways of how to kind of get them to it kind of accept that a little bit um you know kind of you know maybe even making that sort of situation of hey you know what you're believing in conspiracy theories a little too much if you're going to continue i'm afraid this relationship's no, not going to be no anymore you know it's like if it continues i don't think we're going to carry on with a relationship unfortunately um Unfortunately, I think, you know, in this time, relationships take that turn where there's serious, heavy conversations. You're taking off the rose colored glasses for, for, you know, for, you know, for once you're taking off the rose colored glasses and you're confronting what's really there. Some people take well to that and others don't, um, especially when it comes down to delusional thinking and kind of getting into the reality and kind of infusing reality into the situation. There are those who take to that situation rather well, and there are those who just really don't. And um, sometimes it does kind of cause a relationship to part ways, unfortunately, during this time. One thing that I would just recommend, or a couple things I'd recommend, obviously hold your partner accountable if they seem to be going down the delusional rabbit hole. Hold yourself accountable if you are as well, or if you're moving to methods of escapism at this time. Again, take a look at your inner realm. Take, you know, also encourage your partner, take a look at their inner realms to see what it, what exactly, because everything has a reason for why it exists. You know, like conspiracy theories exist because there might be undiagnosed anxiety that is abundant in people, that people tend to not really acknowledge or not really check out and not really question, and hence how these theories come up. 
Um, sometimes conspiracy theories can be interesting in the regard that it causes you to think a little bit differently. But for the most part, I think it's born of paranoia and, you know, again, anxious thoughts, feelings, and emotions that really are unchecked big time. So again, um, you know, encouraging pulling in. Um, I would also just say to really just kind of like, I would say if, if, if with relationships, checking on each other, making sure that everything is okay, especially if you're prone to following a conspiracy theory, or especially if you're prone to escapism, making sure that everything is okay and making sure everything is running smoothly um, without turning to the escapism, um, you know, making sure everything kind of runs smoothly naturally and still kind of staying rooted in reality. I think really um, relationships at this time, the biggest importance is to kind of keep the relationship nice and rooted and grounded in reality as much as possible. I think that's like the biggest takeaway with Neptune retrograde. And, uh, you know, with that being, you know, kind of waiting, waiting until the relationships kind of really grounded down before stepping and moving forward within that relationship as well. Just in case there's anything that is motivated by delusions or grandeur or, um, you know, any sort of escapist tendencies, you know, and that can even include, hey, I want to move in with you, even though I don't know you, I don't want to take the time to know you, that could really hurt my feelings. It's like, or that could really hurt, or that could really be scary, or that could really be painful. Actually taking a step back and getting to know one another, or actually encouraging taking that step back, and confronting the scary, and confronting what really you know, what exists, you know, in front, in front of that person. And, um, again, like I said, this is kind of a test period when it comes to relationships. I felt like my relationships at this, uh, in June of last year were very much tested. Um, you know, whether they were going, especially with, um, death threats, it's like whether this is going to just fly or whether you're going to actually do something about it. And, um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of my personal relationships had to be dissolved. Um, and I also mentioned to, I also mentioned to myself, but I can definitely um, mention this on this podcast. I have to say with how men were behaving in this time frame, and this was between, you know, June the 23rd and December the 1st, I felt like, you know, dating wise, it was not very encouraging. And I was actually kind of glad that I was away from the dating scene because the way that men were behaving at this time, it was, it was scary. It was predatory. It was scary. And it, it was just a, you gotta be kidding me sort of a situation. So unfortunately, there might be situations where major relationships do dissolve. And, you know, I just say when, whenever anything like that happens, um, there's always room for something that's more positive, something that's more fulfilling, um, and, so, you know, a, a relationship that can just really start anew all over again. So, Stargazers, I do hope that this was a kind of a nice explanation on Neptune Retrograde. Um, fortunately, we were not in Neptune retrograde during Mercury retrograde at this time. So that is good. However, it could happen. Uh, we are slated to have Venus retrograde 
as of uh, July the 22nd, and Venus retrograde is a little bit um, more massive than Mercury. So it is possible that all those generational planets could be really going retrograde as well. Um, that would include Neptune. So hopefully this is a good guide that you guys can come back to and really, you know, really um, get some good information um, from that and glean some good information from that. Above all, do not be afraid to look up at the stars. Uh, it really just informs us of our origins of astrology. But I think also it's a great, you know, pause, especially after Mercury retrograde. And then we also had that lunar eclipse at the beginning, you know, I think it was during Cinco de Mayo. We had the lunar eclipse and the lead up to that. So after all these things that have occurred, it, I think just having a nice, you know, um, mindful break. It's just a really great thing um, to have in life. But um, stargazers, I'm just going to say, especially with what's been going on up in the heavens lately, do be careful. Do be safe. Uh, don't let anybody get into a verbal confrontation with you. Don't let anyone um, spout negativity. Try to be a, your best positive self as much as possible. Above all, I do hope that I do find you guys well. And between now and next week's Stargazers, until then, I will speak with you then. If you'd like to contact Sandra Misek, you can easily do so at our Instagram page at Sandra.Misek. Again, that's M-I-S-E-K. You can also contact her with her email messaging system at Misek.Sandra at gmail.com. Also, for as little as $2 a month, you can become a Patreon or a member of this podcast. Definitely visit patreon.com forward slash 7th house astrology for more details.